Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a smooth soul Monday right here on Ball Don't Lie. Patrick's playing jams intended to soothe the tortured soul of sports fans who may have had a tough weekend. Um, But I think uh, a lot of fans out there are celebrating, especially NFL fans, because the NFL draft happened this past weekend. It's all about hope. Um, Every NFL team out there optimistic about their draft. So we'll talk a lot about the upcoming, or sorry, the draft uh, on the upcoming segment in the five o'clock. We'll get back to the NFL draft discussion and talk about the Cowboys and the Texans and also the Longhorns who were drafted in the NFL draft. And you also have undrafted free agents. Don't forget about the undrafted free agents. Uh, You got, I think, three Longhorns right now who have been tracked to teams uh, on undrafted free agency deals. So we'll give you some uh, clues and, sorry, some uh, nugget, nuggets about that coming up in the top of the 5 o'clock. All right, uh, what's coming up for us, Harge on Harge Knock Life? We gotta, we're going to continue the conversation about the draft. We're going to go down to H-Town with the get down and talk to my man Stan Norfleet of Sports Talk 790 in Houston, talk about what he saw in the draft, what he thinks is going on in Houston. But I also wanted to see if he can convince Patrick to go all the way in. I know he said he's back. He's back. But I want to make sure that he's all the way back. I want some good news for my man Patrick Davis. We'll get Patrick's thoughts about the Texans, the rest of the draft. That's right. He was already back in after the first round. He decided we that was enough rest. for him to yes. see. We'll see if he likes the rest of it. The rest of it, the draft was pretty interesting, too. You got some products that we all know very well. We saw a lot of these products because he drafted the, line, the linebacker from Alabama, Henry mm-hmm. Teotoo. Is it Teotoo? Good luck. Okay. Yeah. I believe that's I know it. Who I think you it's like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, He's really a really good player. Number 10. <laughs> yes. He was number 10 on Alabama. <laughs> like, hey, we call him number 10. <laughs> um, but he drafted him. Dylan Horton, another player they drafted from TCU. We got a chance to see him up close and personal. Got a chance to see Xavier Hutchison. Yep. The player from Iowa State Which in the Big I 12. I think is the we got biggest one for me. Yeah. For the Texans, that was a steal right there And they there got for the him. Tank Dale kid out of U of H, uh, yep. who if you've been who watching a lot of. explosive as yeah, well. Say, they Smallest got tank ever. Yeah. yeah, really? He yes. is 5'8", 165? Yeah, yes. it's like That is a small tank. You know what that reminds you, know remind you of? <laughs> small tank. Gerald McNeil, Ice Cube, from back in the day. If you remember, he used to play for the Houston Gamblers, played for the oh, Cleveland Browns. His nickname Brown. was Ice Cube? Ice Cube. Wow. Well, Little dude. Man. Yeah, kinfolk. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Ice Gerald Cube? Ice Cube McNeil. I did not. Gerald McNeil, that. yes. All man. right. 
Yeah. I'll check that out. I'll do some do rabbit some, holing. You'll, you'll, we'll you'll, Google that. You'll be excited. Ice Cube before Ice Cube. Uh, before Ice Cube. All right. I got to make sure go. I get the whole name in there. I just yep. type Ice Cube. What, Ice Cube. You're going to get all kinds of <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, you're going to like Gerald that. McNeil. Gerald McNeil. All yep. right. Uh, thanks for a little nugget there. I like yep. that. All right, let's get to some NBA nuggets here, gentlemen. Uh, the big story over the weekend, Game 7 in the NBA, uh, the Warriors versus the Sacramento Kings. That was in Sacramento. They were trying to light the beam on the Warriors. Not the case because uh, Steph Curry showed up and showed out, gentlemen. 50 points in Game 7. He set a new NBA record for scoring in a Game 7, uh, and they end up beating Sacramento 120-100. to 150 points, seven three-pointers. Eight rebounds, six assists. Uh, he was a one-man wrecking crew. I mean, he just really took took the game really from the beginning, honestly. Mm-hmm. He really kind of uh, took the uh, Warriors and put them on his shoulders and uh, really dominated that game and set the tone early and really was able to close out that game too. So it was a great overall team victory, but no question, Horace, the 50-point performance by Steph, which was a record-setting performance, uh, that was no doubt the headline of the Game 7 win for the Warriors. And only the, I mean, that's, that's only their 13th road win all year. That is the thing about <laughs> it is when you start looking at who they were and that's why everybody was trying to figure out. You talked about the road record and they can't win on the road, lighting the beam. But the fact of the matter is he did not – Steph Curry wanted to make sure I was going to will my team to victory. There were times he was running in front of people to get a pass. They were trying to pass the ball to Andrew Wiggins on one play, <laughs> and he ran in front of them, got the ball, and made the bucket. Everything that he did yesterday was was exactly who he is, what we've seen Steph do. The problem was some of his teammates weren't helping him. Klay Thompson looked like he was point-shaving yesterday. And Klay <laughs> is one of the better shooters in the game, and he just didn't look like he was in it. But at the end of it all, he said, I think we just witnessed the greatest performance by somebody that we expect these types of things from. But now he's elevated himself to the to, – different levels he's an MVP he's a champion but those are the types of games in the game sevens when I told you before that's my two favorite words game seven because you know it's winner take all and he came out and did that and that just goes to show that the Sacramento Kings are still just a little bit away from it all yeah, because I you mean, should have been able to beat them. No, and I mean, you need De'Aaron Fox to have a better game than he did. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I think we saw both teams were just really beat down at the end of the series that they both were, you know, and you could tell they're calling the game a little bit tighter at points because they were just so beat up and they let it get so, you know, so much uh, more physical throughout this series. They were trying to shore it back up. So guys were getting into foul trouble in their standoff. No one looked like they were on point except for Steph Curry who went in there and won it. Uh, You kind of, I thought going into the weekend that Golden State was going to win over the weekend just in the fact that they have Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. And you're like, when you talk about two teams – that are pretty evenly matched, and everything in there is is pretty even, and you're seeing it go back and forth. But then there's that one guy who can do something special. Yep. I mean, we saw it with Jimmy Butler in Miami. That Jimmy Butler is the reason why Miami is winning. Steph Curry is the reason why Golden State can win in those games. Because you just kind of had a average performance by everybody else on the Warriors. And when we talk about that road record, there is something to be put into it that the team was not healthy for most of those for a lot of the season. So there was a lot where Wiggins did not play a ton of the season. Now you add back in a guy who can get you 15 to 20 points a game. That's a huge add-on all of a sudden to just be like, oh, we're just add-on 15 to 20 points pretty easily from Wiggins. 
I think Sabonis played well in that last game. He was pretty much the only king yeah. that had a really good game. De'Aaron Fox got in foul trouble and just was not able to get out of it. And like this is where the NBA needs to change the the challenge rule too. Is you need to be able to have the challenge rule be more like the NFL that if you get it right, you get another one. Oh yeah, I like that because there was a play in the first half where De'Aaron Fox got all ball, and that you easily would have challenged it because it gave him his second foul of the game, and maybe you're like you're still early in the game, you don't want your star player to get a foul. But you can't challenge that early because now if it comes down to in the fourth quarter and they blow another one, you need to have your challenge. But if you allow it to go, no, we get this, this one hits, then I still have one ready for in the fourth quarter. So I think they need to add in that if you get one right, you get you one don't, more. You don't punish get one them. Extra one. You don't punish them for the rest being bad. Yeah, you get like one extra one yeah. if you get it right. If you get it right, I agree with you on that. Yeah, just kind of put a limit on it after that. But that's that's yeah, because it's only one more a game. It's not like you're getting well, tons a of challenges for. But yeah, but then you know, they made it correctly yeah. and accurately assessed. And, and it's and this is in the NBA is the most hard to challenge league. <laughs> yeah. That it, like most of them fail because they're like if you make any contact, so you get all ball with your left hand. But your right hand is on his hip. Even if you're not pushing, not doing anything, it's always still a foul. Because they're like, you make contact. That was contact. That's, that's a foul. So it's just hard to win those challenges. So I don't see why it wouldn't be a problem to just go, hey, let's hit this. The refs, are, they're getting calls wrong. Let's try and get the game ref correctly enough. Yeah, but also officials don't like to be um, they wrong don't. on those calls. They, they <laughs> don't, but they're wrong. The pride. Yeah, that's what <laughs> the pride of the officials is another big part of that, too. Uh, but, yeah, Steph, you guys are right. He... He did not wait to see if his team, because LeBron does this at times. LeBron will almost wait to see which one of his teammates gets hot and who who was kind of feeling it at the time, and then he will play whatever role is needed, um, depending on who's hot on the team. Steph didn't, and I'm sure Steph has done that before too, but Steph didn't wait on that moment. Yeah. He decided, no, 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 I'm not going to take the chance. If somebody wants to join me, come right ahead. Exactly. But I will make sure my team is in this game, and if – if somebody plays with me here, we're going to win this game and blow them out. That is the most important thing. But he was clutch. Right there. He was yeah. like, no, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. That's why he had 10 in the first, 10 yep. in the second. What, he had 14 in the third, 16 in the fourth. He's yeah. like, I'm not waiting. Closing out. Like, come man. on, yeah. if y'all want to join me, please do. But I'm going, like you said, he was he like he was t- stealing balls from his own guys. Exactly. He's like, no, man, because you don't look like you're ready. You don't look like you're ready. <laughs> I seen your face. I seen your face. I seen you weren't ready. You ain't ready, man. Because I, I am not about to walk away from this. <laughs> he was watching Jimmy. Exactly. He was watching Jimmy Butler like, nah, man. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy gonna do that, then uh, Steph gonna do it. Too. Steph Stephon. gonna do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stephon and Stephen Urkel. He was. He started into Stephon. Uh, no, you're right, man. Steph, uh, that was a great performance. Is watching him. That was yeah. dominant. Uh, where do we? I mean, legacy wise, the, the where do you rank this performance in terms of where you, what you've seen from Steph so far in his career? Are we talking about top three all time greatest performances? This he, has to be one greatest of, performance. This has to be one of the. The only way it would be better. Is if it would have been a championship? Yeah, it was good. If seven. it would have been, if it would have been a, if it would have been a championship game in a game seven for him to elevate himself. But if you look at some of the numbers, he became the all-time, uh, he became the highest scoring game seven player yes. in basketball. Mm-hmm. So for me, you got to rank it all the way up there. And he's done amazing things throughout his career anyway. So when you see him go out there and is able to perform at that level, we expect it because he is an MVP, but he hadn't been able to do that so much here the last few times because he's had help. 
You know, you look at look, the reason why Clay. I mean, excuse me, not Clay, because I, you know, I could talk about Clay and how he's been disappointing this series, and now he's going to get a reprieve because he's going to be going up against the Lakers. But also, Jordan Poole didn't do anything. No, he, he hasn't series. done anything yeah. for no. it. And he was the one last year that everybody was talking about, got his bag, and now he doesn't even go into his bag anymore. He's like, oh, no, I got punched in the face by Draymond, so I'm still <laughs> still dealing with that. But it's it's the simple facts that he did put that team on his back for them to be able to advance to the next round. And you brought it up just a little while ago, Rob. This is going to be an epic battle just because of the two people that are involved in it. I can't wait. Yeah, and it's at nine o'clock at night. By the way, um, I, 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 it's a Cali, it's a Cali it's series. Yeah. It's worth staying up. That's worth, that's worth losing sleep over. Yeah, it is. is seeing LeBron versus Steph. No, and I mean this is the you know when you have a player that's as good as Steph, it is funny that he can play a game that good, and you just go, well, yeah, it's Steph. Yep. Like I, I, I expect you can do this every game of the year if you wanted to, because you can just shoot the ball yep. so well. Yep. I was surprised at how many layups he missed in that game. Right, Be- just because that's he's normally one of those guys that no matter the contact, no matter whatever, he knows how to put it high off the glass and get him to go in. So he was missing layups, but then hitting everything else, it's just it's a dominant performance, and you you see why he's so good. And you know, this is when we talk about final legacy. This is two guys now that get to have you know a later career matchup that is on the legacy role of. If Golden State can, you know, fight their way back to a finals yep. after having the season they had, and everybody counting them out, then that's the legacy of Steph Curry. Is going to be on his back, yep. and they're going to be like, "This was Steph's." Like the other, all of them are Steph's, but this one was man. He didn't have anybody, and he just willed it himself. No one. And if LeBron can do it, then wow, this guy's doing it twenty years in, and they had the season with all the injuries. It's a lot of legacy. The problem is, I don't know if either one of them can get through the other series. <laughs> After they wear each other out here? I don't know. They cannibalize each well, other? Well, even if they go four games, I don't know if they're going to get through the other series because those other two teams are just head and shoulders yeah, better. Sons, yeah, Suns are deep and dangerous. Now, they, so, Suns are deep. They just Their starting lineup is so prolific. Yeah, very and, then the Sun, and then the Nuggets are deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, you're talking about if Jamal Murray plays like Jamal Murray played in the last series, if we get that Jamal Murray, then you're talking about a generational talent in Jokic and then an all-star in Jamal Murray, or you're talking about generational talent in Kevin Durant and then a first-team All-NBA-er <laughs> in Devin Booker. Devin Booker yeah. yeah. No, I'm with you. It's a good point about <clears throat> we can't make too much out of the victor, who are the victories of this series because um, they're going to have a really a Herculean task ahead of them yeah. to try to beat either one of those teams you just mentioned. But I will say – Man, it's in terms of legacy, because that's what we're looking at here. This is a great legacy series for Steph and LeBron. We just don't know who is going to add to their legacy, but right. it's a great legacy series for both of those guys. Yeah, so, and I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because of the fact of what LeBron was able to do to get to this point. Everybody was doubting them. Then they go out there and they smash uh, We Good in the West, the Grizzlies, got called uh-huh. old, and then went out there and was able to perform at a very high level. And now he's going to go against hmm. Steph, who he pinned up against the glass, and they were able to go and beat them and slay the Dragon when they had the best record in the NBA and for LeBron to win in Cleveland. And now these are two powers that are getting older. They've been around a while, and their team is led by each of them. 
with with they got other players. They've got uh, complimentary players because remember we were trying to think that Anthony Davis was going to be the guy that LeBron didn't mm. have to carry this team. Yeah, but he still has to. So this is going to be a mm. great series. Yeah, we've had what three dynasties in kind of the the recent era of the NBA, mm-hmm. and LeBron has led. You know, kind of, it's the LeBron dynasty. It's not even really teams. It's LeBron. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> kind of and he's been in the middle of them all. Yeah, and then yeah. he got the Warriors and the Spurs. And, yeah, LeBron just got, you know, to win championships with three different teams as the as the marquee star. Yep. Um, that's tough to do. I don't know how many stars have done I mean, that. he's already done it. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how many stars have done that already. Yeah. Like, yeah. In, in period. So I'm just saying, like, for, for LeBron, he's a, he's kind of a dynasty in himself. Like, he's yes. a, like not a team that he's been on. Like, he himself has yeah. kind of established, like, no, no, I where I go somewhere, I win titles. That's what I do. Yep. And then, of course, with Golden State and what Steph has done, they've been, you know, a dominant dynasty, too. And they re, they've been able to reinvent themselves. That's the key to, be, key to a dynasty, too. Yep. You got to be able to re- reinvent yourself at one point. With different pieces. But he, still had the th- but he still had the three main... They did. People with him. And Iguodala still is on that team, but he was standing on the sideline in street clothes, dapping him up when he was hitting threes. And That's I'm crazy. like, it's crazy to me that Iguodala is still on that squad and Collect they use checks. him. Yes. And they use him kind of sparingly. He's almost become uh, Udonis Haslam. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's almost become that one, but at least he's dressed out. Udonis is always dressed he's out. He's a player coach. Because he's ready to swing on somebody yeah. just in case things get a little chippy out there. You're right. He's like a player coach. Man. Yeah. So if you start thinking about this right now, if you were to lean one way or the other, who are you taking in this series right now? Mm. Right now? Oh, man. I know, that's right? That's a, that's, a tough, that's a tough break now. Right now, I think I'd lean – Oh man, I think I lean Golden State, but it's tough. It's it tough is tough. It is tough. tough. I do some more research to tell you exactly what the matchup wise, who right. I like. Just I naked eye. Just naked, naked eye. Naked eye. I think I'm leading Golden State. Okay, so here's the other part of it. How many times does LeBron and Draymond get tangled up? Mm. That's gonna happen because you or know him Draymond and AD. or him and AD. He's gonna one, one, one of the stars. <laughs> exactly. Draymond's gonna get tangled up with one of your stars, and then he's gonna be clapping all loud yeah. and talking all that trash. Probably get a tech, probably get kicked out, and then it's going to be going back to that series that we talked about before. But, He's going to be like, oh, man, we'd have won it if, if I didn't get kicked out. Yeah, but think about it, though. DeMontis Simonis was never the same after Draymond kicked him in the chest. His game totally changed. Like, until he was the last game. I, I will tell you. Until the last game, he yep. had a decent game. You know what, you know what helped that, him? He was taken out of his game, which yep. was strange. He was. You could argue Draymond, even though he sacrificed himself to a certain extent, that it did help the team. <laughs> it, it did. I mean, I think that there was going to be issues with it, too. But I, he didn't. He was better when Looney hit him in the face. So we just got to get hit again, <laughs> and it reset it. it. But yeah. when, he, when Looney and didn't get a foul called, yeah, when he elbowed him in the in the eye, that's oh true. yeah, I do remember that. Oh, the yeah. jump yeah. ball, was that on went, the high, yeah, yeah, yeah. He went with his yeah. outside arm for ball. the jump ball and hit him with the and inside. They said arm. he does that a lot. Yeah, and you're like, like that should be a foul, right? Like, like Looney, he does that sometimes. I was like, he does that sometimes. That's yeah, that's like <laughs> every game. He does it every game, but yeah. awkward. But then, then then he was like, then he got that fire back in and was like. Like, you know what they're beating me up. I should play some basketball. That's yep. the point. He had that, that cut underneath his eyes. Yeah. Yeah, and, up. and then he fouled out of that game with a busted eye. With a busted I'm like, eye. how you foul out and you got the busted <laughs> eye. <laughs> oh, did you hear that Draymond was upset that DeMontis Sabonis did not shake hands with him in oh, the yeah. handshake line after? He's always upset about something. <laughs> it's like, dude, yeah. you kicked him in the chest. You kicked him <laughs> in the chest. Come on, man. You kicked me yeah. in the chest. You want me to just come shake your hand? 
Yep. Oh, I love it. All right. Uh, coming up in Hard Stock Life, what you got for the people? We got my man Stan Norfleet. He's going to talk about the Houston Texans and what their draft looked like to him and what is expected. Patrick, you back, bro. Uh, you are back. <laughs> we got lots of questions uh, about the Texans. So we'll talk about that when we come back right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to put down the horn. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, the main event of the evening for your entertainment and pleasure. Mike, you have to be so combative. Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folks, but in front of your own speak my mind. He has emotional anger issue problem. Hey, are you dirty Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Welcome back to a Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie. It's your boy, Hardball Harge. You can follow me on Twitter at Hardball Harge. You can follow my man, Rod Babers, at Rod Babers. And, of course, you can follow the man behind the glass at It's Patrick Davis. We also love it when you're a part of the show, so hit us up on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. And joining us right now on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline, you can hear him on Next Up weekdays from 10 to 12 on Sports Talk 790 in H-Town. You can follow him on Twitter at Stan Sportsman on Twitter as well. My man Stan Norfleet. Stan, what's going on, brother? Good afternoon, gentlemen. What's going on, Austin, Texas? That's right, man. I had to get you back in the ATX, man. I wanted to get you on (laughs) because we've been sitting here talking about it. So just for personal reference, my man Patrick Davis, who's the producer of this show, is he used to be a Texans fan until the draft just happened, and now he's back on the Texas uh, uh, Texans bandwagon. My man Rob mm-hmm. Babers is from H Town, and out. he is a huge Texans fan. But he's been kind of quiet. He's the only one that watches the Texans around here <laughs> because he, everybody's been a little upset. Now, can we get everybody back on the Houston Texans bandwagon after this past draft? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do for you. Just because in the spirit of being back in H-Town, I'm going to send the bandwagon over to you. We're going to grab you. We're going to stop at the gallery for a second. We're going to get over here off West Side. I'm going to load up that wagon. Then we're going to shoot down West Side. We're going to cut over through Midtown, and I'll drop you off over there at NRG, courtesy of Stan Fleet, D'Amico Ryans, and Nick Casario. The boys was in the kitchen cooking over the weekend. Come on back, Texans. Bright, bright future. I like it. I like that. I like that, I like that right out. there. That's what I want to hear. Drinking that Kool-Aid. Got to drink the Kool-Aid. We got to sip it up. And one of the reasons why we are sipping it up, and I want to know what your thoughts are, uh, obviously at the end of last season everybody was upset. Lovey Smith uh, going out and getting a win when all they had to do was take that loss, and then it would have been okay for them, and everybody would have been happy with the Bryce Young pick. I kept saying, I don't no, know. No, everybody wouldn't have been happy. See, that's what I wanted to know. That's exactly no, what I wanted to know. Everybody wouldn't have been happy. So you think yeah, that they got the right one? I think they got the better quarterback. Because someone asked me this. I've been doing radio hits all day, but God bless. But somebody asked me this earlier. So, like, Stan, wait a minute. Make this make sense to me. And this is where people go at the Kuypers and the McShays and those folks. Listen, 
I think Bryce was the better collegiate quarterback. That's different than who I think game translates to Sundays. Having played on Saturday and trying to play on Sunday, it's two different worlds. I don't want a mini-me out there trying to compete against those big, fast, strong men on Sunday. I like big boys, grown men from a football standpoint. I like quarterbacks that are 6'3", 6'4", and up. I believe Bryce's game translates better. So I wouldn't have gave a bleep if the Texans had the number one pick. I wasn't picking Bryce. I do hope the brother plays well and I want him to be successful. Just not when he's playing against the Texans. That's a good point, um, like Stan. It. I and like also, it. you know, t- Texans shook up the draft by trading back up into the first round yeah. to get Will Anderson. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a very decisive move, a bold move by the Texans. A lot of people believe the Texans might have given up too much to make that trade happen. What are your thoughts about the draft capital they gave up to draft that two and three overall? All right, gentlemen, I know we all conscious of the time. I do the same thing on my show, but give me a little bit of the layout right here. You know, being single here in Houston is a beautiful thing. It allows me to explore different opportunities. Sometimes I want to trade up. Sometimes I want to trade back. Sometimes I want to stay where I'm at. You understand? But one thing I can't be consumed with is if I can't be worried about what my ex is doing and who she's going to go be with. I can't be worried about had I made a commitment to this woman and she doesn't work out who she goes on to be with. I got to worry about me. And that's what Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryan decided. The Arizona Cardinals are not in the AF South and they're not in the AFC. So who gives a bleep what next year's first rounder from Houston turns into? I don't care. What I care about is getting two pillars of the refresh of this organization, and they've done that. Let me walk you through what this deal is. Don't worry about how the deal looks. Let's drill down on what the deal is. This isn't trading up essentially multiple ones and a three to get an edge defender, even though, by the way, Will Anderson Jr. might be the cleanest prospect in this entire draft. Two-time unanimous All-American, two-time SCC Defensive Player of the Year. We already know off the field, playing for saving, like we're not going to question that. Certifiable baller. And I doubt that there's going to be a defender in next year's draft that they would have taken in the first round with the pick better than Will Anderson. So what they did was actually brilliant. They said, let's get the quarterback at two, to make, the, to make the Raiders go away, to make the Titans go away, to make the um, Indianapolis Colts go away, to make the Seattle Seahawks go away. So now with quarterback two off the board, now we got to discuss Arizona about climbing back into this third spot for a defender. And that's where you put the capital. Uh, last part on that, this is no different than what they did for, the, for what San Fran did to go get Trey Lance. They went from 12 up to three with Miami. This is actually a better deal. So when you look at it from a combination standpoint, for the Trey Lance deal, they got C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. It wasn't expensive at all. And Casario got back in the kitchen on Saturday, and he got back the third-round pick that he sent. So like at the end of the day, they ended up getting C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr. for the Texans second, next year's Texans first, this year's number 33 overall pick. I call that a win from a Houston standpoint. I like that. I like the way you broke that down, and I love the passion behind how you explained it to bring it all down. So we're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you got to say it with your chest. You, you got to say it with your chest. That's right. You got to say it with your chest. <laughs> Make sure y'all check my man out. Go to at Stan Sportsman 
on his Twitter. He's part of the Sports Talk 790 lineup. He's the host of Next Up on weekdays, 10 to 12, in H-Town. Now let's talk about the rest of this draft. We know everybody's excited about the number two, I mean, uh, yeah, number two overall and the number three overall pick. But let's get to this deep offensive line. There's some picks that were out there. You went out there and got a wide receiver. You got an edge rusher. You got a linebacker. You've done a lot. The one pick that I was most excited about, and I'm glad that he went to you guys, was Xavier Hutchison out of Iowa State. I thought he was uh, one of those wide receivers that can make a big difference and can come in and play right away because I think he was an underrated player. We saw him a lot in the Big 12. He was one of the most explosive Mm -hmm. players in the league. So I think that him falling to you guys at that pick, obviously other teams were going to probably get him a little bit later too in the next round, but – I think he's going to be something that's going to be impactful. What is the thought of Xavier Hutchison there in H-Town? To your point, I thought Zay Hutch was a value pick. Lance Zerline of NFL Network or NFL.com, he's a Houstonian. He has Zay going somewhere in the fifth or sixth round, so this is about right. So D'Amico, and, and right, it's so weird. The Texans had nine picks. Casario and D'Amico made trades to get eight of them trading up to get Nathaniel Tankdale right here from H-Town over there uh, at U of H. So they got their, they got their mini-me. They got their, their scatter guy, their slot guy. They needed a bigger-bodied receiver. So here comes Xavier Hutchinson, 6'2", 203 pounds, led the Big 12 in reception all three years he's been there balling, junior college transfer, out of where Cam Newton went over there where they make Bluebell ice cream at, playing <laughs> junior college, taking care of his business. Third most catches in the FBS this past year. 11th most yards in the FBS this past year. A Bolitnikoff Award finalist. You start adding it all up, and it's like, wait a minute. Oh, I've left this part out. AP All-American. You start adding it up, you're like, well, well, what is he doing here in the sixth round? The issue is, and I love the versatility. He can line up to the boundary and play the X. He can come in motion as a Z. He can line up to the field at the Y. So he can do everything. But therein lies the issue. He's jack-of-all-trades, master of none. And so what I'm hoping Bobby Slowick can do with him, although this offense, if you think about what Kyle Shanahan does and what he's doing over there in San Francisco, I'm hoping they can find a home for him and he can learn the craft. You guys understand this as as, as ex-athletes. excuse me. It's a whole bunch of dudes that can run real fast and they're going in the wrong direction. It's a whole bunch of dudes that's built like Tarzan and play like James. It's a whole bunch of dudes that get out there and the lights get too bright. Can you hone everything down? And this is where coaching can develop is so paramount. In this league, when you're a late-round draft choice, and I was not fortunate enough to be drafted, but I do know when they're evaluating you as an undrafted free agent or you're late in the draft, you got to be able to put your flag in the sand on something. Coach, you can count on me to do this every day. Hutchison has had some drops. That is something that came up. His footwork, not the greatest. That is something that came up. But there's enough there given the competition he played against, given the size, given the versatility. I'm okay with this pick. And you didn't have to trade anything exorbitant to get him. Hey, Stan, what are your thoughts about Dylan Horton, the defensive end uh, that the Texans drafted out of TCU? It's a guy that hadn't been playing defensive end very long. I think he's been playing defensive end about three years, uh, but really made an impact at TCU after switching from safety. I believe he originally got his uh, scholarship uh, as a safety coming out of high school. What are your thoughts about D'Amico Ryan's vision for Dylan Horton? 
So Dylan Horton is one that's a bit controversial for me, and I said as much on our show today. So Dylan Horton was born here in HTX. Family moved over there to North Dallas. The brother came out of Frisco. Originally commits to SMU. They have a coaching change. He actually goes to New Mexico. So that's where the safety piece kicks in. While he was trans- transitioning excuse me, from New Mexico to TCU, somewhere in there the man added 50, 60 pounds. The boy got huge. And so I'm like, all right. So now you bring DB athleticism to a finesse scheme that that they're run, that Dykes and them are running over there in Fort Worth at TCU, and now he's got the body at six foot four. Some people are saying he plays at two seventy five. Other people are saying he's two fifty seven. I'm like, okay, all that's great. Uh, he was ranked the number sixteen edge defender in this draft. He's got first step quicks. It's kind of like what I said against Hutch. His, he's not fundamentally sound. He doesn't really have true defensive lineman instincts. He's relying a lot right now on athleticism. As a former edge defender, you better be nice with your hands because that's your weapon. And your feet, that's one thing. But you got to know how to ward off guys. You got to understand leverage. You got to give yourself a fighting chance against men that weigh 60, 70, 80 pounds more than you. He's going to learn that. Here's my one issue. Uh, I, I looked at this and went, now wait a minute, D'Amico. You mean you were willing to trade to get Dylan Horton at 109, but the very next pick was Adetomiwa Adabware out of Northwestern, who destroyed the combine at six foot two, 282 pounds, ran 449, and was the number six rated edge defender. So if you were looking for kind of a contrast to what Will Anderson Jr. is, more of a sleek, finesse, if you will, edge defender. If you needed a big boy that also had wheels, and if they both are predicated on potential, why didn't you go with Ed Barway out of Northwestern? I had to ask D'Amico and Casario about that rhetorically because they were out doing GM head coach stuff, but I raised that point <laughs> on my show. So I am not as high. <laughs> I was not as high on Dillard's Horton as some folks are. That's interesting. I like that. I like that about the hands, too, because you got to be nice on, with them hands on the outside. Before we let you go, I want to ask you this. With all the moves that were made and all the expectations that are out there with this team, what are you expecting to happen this season with this uh, Houston Texans football team? Obviously, we know that they're, not, they're obviously not tanking anymore. They got their quarterback. They got their pick. Now they've got an opportunity to get better right away. There's so much change in that division, so there's a lot of opportunity there. What are your expectations just on the surface? And I'll, I'll let you retract it later on in the year, right before the season starts. <laughs> so I'm not going to hold you to it, but I am going to listen to it. <laughs> Let me find out they keep receipts in Austin, too. I see what's going on here. <laughs> so, all right, in all seriousness, check it. Like, the Texans have told us what they're trying to do. Look what they did in free agency. There's Robert Woods. They get Noah Brown from Dallas at wide receiver spots. There's Dalton Schultz, a starting tight end they got from Dallas. Here comes Shaq Mason, a former two-time Super Bowl champion he is. Let's solidify that right guard spot. They went out and uh, got Michael Dieter, a gentleman that has started at center down there in Miami in a Kyle Shanahan offense with Mike McDaniel. So there's somebody that adds some depth and can compete at the starting center spot. We go on defense, Jimmy Ward. There's Denzel Perriman, a pro bowler two years ago in his own right from Las Vegas. There's Corey Littleton coming over from Carolina. Sheldon Rankins comes down from the Jets. You add that up with Stroud, Will Anderson Jr., likely Juice Drugs coming over from Penn State in the second round to play center. The Texans are telling you, 
they think they can go win right now. And every year in this league, we see about a handful of teams that didn't make the playoff the year before that make it the following year. Conversely, somebody, a handful of teams, are going to fall out. I'm not ready to say that the Texans are going to the playoffs. What I am going to say is don't be surprised if this team doesn't double or triple the win total from a year ago. I believe in D'Amico Ryans. I believe in his staff. Are there going to be some growing pains or some turbulence along the way? Of course it is. It is for everybody. Hell, Bill Belichick got fired. It's going to be some turbulence along the way. But I think the infrastructure and the ballers that they've implemented and the type of individuals that they've implemented, the football culture and character that these men are bringing to NRG, Houston Texans are going to hover around 500 at a minimum something, you know, eight, nine, nine, and eight, somewhere in there, and then the ball bounces that way, especially with them playing some of the weaker opponents, AFC South, I believe they play, I forget who else they play, but the AFC South and the NFC South, that's what I was trying to get to. This is going to be a good team this year. They'll be competitive for sure. I like it. I like it. Houston Texans fans, rejoice. My boys are in here smiling. They looking at it and trying to figure it out. They're going to probably go back and look at all this, uh, the numbers and who they're mm-hmm. playing and try to balance it out. But like I said, I ain't going to hold it to you just yet. I'll be back to regroup with you <laughs> and find out. I do keep a little bit of receipts around here. Stan, you're the man, man. I appreciate you jumping on with us. Go follow him at Stan Sportsman. He's the host of Next Up Weekdays, 10 to 12, down there on Sports Talk. 790. Stan, we appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Stan. Brother, appreciate y'all. Peace to you. All right. There he is. He, he bringing a lot of energy for them Houston Texan hey, fans He's down selling there. selling that Kool-Aid. He is, man. He's selling that He's got Kool-Aid. a sipping on it, right? Uh, yeah, no, man. I, I was still, he said he said hovering around 500. Yep. That's his goal. That's a, good, that's a good start. That's a great start. They can hover around 500. That'd that's be right. Seven, eight wins. That'd be really big for the Texans. That's why I have to look at that schedule game where they I think they're coming out next Thursday. Oh, is that's what right. the, the target that's right. is for the schedule right. release. So Yeah. Yeah. In that division alone, if you're gonna win eight games, you gotta try to at least win half of that in your division. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean there's two go- hey, there's two teams you can beat. And then one that's tough. <laughs> well, two you think you can beat. No, two you can. <laughs> no, I'm not saying you will. I'm saying you can beat. You can beat Jacksonville too, but that one's a lot rougher. Yeah, yeah, that's not. That's not. That's, I don't trust them beating Jacksonville. Yeah, they, that's they, a different Colts, squad now. Well, we'll see how the Colts' new quarterback looks. Yeah, and, and, and how quickly Richardson. he's going to play. That's right. All right. Now I like the Kool Aid though. I'll drink some of that Kool Aid. Sip on it. I'll sip on it for a while. All, All right. right, we'll come back. We'll get into the uh, off the record on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie on one hundred and four nine the horn. Dd. Mega doo-doo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break the egg comb. Well, congratulations, continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! And thing sucks! All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. A couple items here because we're up against it for off the record. Um, I figured this is kind of on the record, but still something people need to know. Uh, Jim uh, Jim Vertuno uh, tweeted out, Texas Regents this week will also approve demolition of the Frank Irwin Center. The drum. The drum. Uh, It's going to start at a cost of $25 million. Hello. Uh, the plans call for October 2024 completion. 
So by October 2024, gentlemen, uh, the drum will be no more. I know this. I want to see it. You want to see the, the I want to see it, the, the demolition. Yes, I do. Oh, you want to see the demolition? Yes. Okay. I wonder. I wonder if they're going to be selling tickets because you know they sell tickets for everything. <laughs> so they're going to try to figure out a way Texas to get it done. Texas will find a way to profit yeah. off the demolition <laughs> of the Owen Center. No, you're probably right about that, Hard. Yeah, honestly. no uh, doubt. Yeah, it's it's that's like I don't. I mean, I'm sure there will be some historical celebrations, uh, uh, some like the sentimental celebration yeah, for sure. before then that'll go down in the Irwin Center. But I'm glad, I'm actually, I'm glad they're tearing it down. Because I don't right? want it to become what the Astrodome has kind of become in H-Town. Astrodome is kind of an eyesore. It just sits there and they still won't tear it down. It, why, why is that? Because I believe historical. Right now, no, actually, yes. So there is a group that wants it to be kind of historical piece yeah. and they want to, uh, Essentially, they want to kind of reinvent it. They'd like to somehow find a way to repurpose the Astrodome. Yeah. But I believe now it's more of a like a hazard to to destroy it. Yeah. To demolish it more yeah. than anything. Because it's so close to everything. Yeah, to everything. Exactly. You've seen it. It's like <laughs> yeah. right there. It's right in the middle of it has everything. Like a, it has kind of, yeah. 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 Uh, it's kind of an eyesore to the city. And you don't want the Frank, Frank Rowan Center to be that. Yeah. Demolish it. Be done with it. Move on. And so... What would you? Is there anything you would you would take from the Irwin Center that you would go try to have as a collector's item from the Irwin Center? They they'll probably have a sale or a do they an still auction. have do they still have liquor and alcohol in their beer? In there? <laughs> <laughs> you, you can, can find that outside the Irwin yeah. Center. But usually when they destroy or demolish a historical place, especially a sports uh, historical arena or venue, sometimes yeah. they'll like auction off items from the venue itself. And I wonder if they'll do that. That's true. They do like seats and stuff like that. Yeah, cause it'd be cool to own some seats. Yeah, no, I, the Astrodome did that too, and I yeah. want to say. We bought some from the old Candlestick Park, like my uh, mother-in-law has, like seats, like yeah. a, a row of seats. And I want to say it was like their row that they, that yeah. family used to sit at at Candlestick Park. And that that was, like, is a big pretty thing dope, though. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder if you can do that. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be that would definitely be pretty cool. But where would you put it? I mean, you got does your I guess your mother in law had a big enough house. Yeah, they got like a basement it. and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. they have like because yeah. they live up north. Right? Yeah, they live they got at, basements yeah. up north. That's right. They don't got That's right. Not, well, not a lot of people do. Some not, of y'all might here. have basements. Yeah, they might, they're yeah. a hideaway. <laughs> 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 we need to check your crib if you got one here in Austin. <laughs> yeah, you have, yeah, a safe room, whatever yeah, you want to call exactly. it, something like that. But yeah, some people got basements like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool if they had like an auction for some of the stuff. People would buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I'd buy some stuff. I like that. All right. Well. That's uh, news about the Irwin Center uh, being demolished. We come back. We're talking NFL draft, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we will get into the Cowboys and the Texans. Just talk about the Texans. So we'll start with the Cowboys because we just talked Texans with my man Stan. So we'll talk Cowboys and we'll talk about the Texas Longhorns that were drafted uh, and then Rod's rant of the day. Um, we're going back in time. A little history uh-huh. lesson in Rod's rant of the day. We'll talk about that coming up right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn.